I have been preaching a series called Honor. Honor and Behold and Honor is the title of the series. It started with Mother's Day, and uh, <clears throat> then I did a sermon in between Mother's Day and Father's Day entitled uh, Honor in the Local Church. And, uh, <clears throat> and then we had Father's Day, and those are the only three times I've preached in the last six weeks. And uh, I've been running around quite a bit. And I want to start my message by talking, Christina, about the fact that when I was nine years old, my dad, who came from Italy, married my mom, didn't speak English, felt called to go and minister to the Italian immigrants in Australia. So I lived in Australia for 29 years, for those of you who don't know. Uh, Australia, for many people, it's a place that they have on their bucket lists, place I'd like to go and visit sometime. Back in 1969, while Captain Cook had already discovered Australia, the rest of the world didn't know it existed. And uh, <clears throat> we didn't have internet back then. You couldn't Google it and find out about Australia. Uh, you couldn't watch videos on the internet to learn. My parents went there and we would ask them, so where are we going to live when we go there? And they said, we don't know. They said, well, where are we going to sleep the first night? They said, we don't know. Who are we going to? They said, well, we never met these people before. And then we asked, do they have schools? And my parents honestly didn't know whether or not they had an educational system. And so when we first went to Australia, we really expected to see kangaroos everywhere. We expected to be driving in four-wheel drive Jeeps and that there would be a lot of natives. That's the condition in which my parents agreed to leave all of our family, uncles, aunts, my mother's parents. Uh, I was nine. I didn't know if I'd see my grandma and grandpa alive again. We didn't know how long we were going for. God said, go. We went. He didn't say when we'd come back. Let me tell you something. It is an honor to serve God. I would rather make sacrifices like that and be in God's hands than living it up in my world and not be in God's hands. I have learned that God's always got a better plan for me than anything I dream up for myself. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've only been acquainted with religion and you've never asked Jesus in your heart, I want to tell you that this is a partnership that goes beyond partnership. I mean, Jesus will get very real with you. God will be very invested and vested in your life. <clears throat> I've been around the world. I've preached around the world. I've started five churches from nothing. No organization backing me with a wage or anything. I had little children. I imitated my parents. I went out by faith. We came here by faith. We're not part of a denomination. No one was paying us a wage. And we sort of just put up a tent, so to speak, and a banner, 
and just started having church. And God has brought so many people. This church now, we're active membership. We're hitting somewhere around 400 people. It has grown. But hundreds have gotten born again in this house. You know, as we were worshiping, I'm looking across the congregation, and I'm looking at all the faces that just in the last six months got born again. And I got to tell you, I started grinning from ear to ear because there's nothing that gives me more joy than seeing people ask Jesus in their heart and then watching them grow in their Christian faith. It's like we got Wesley and his lovely wife here and their kids. They're one of our newer additions, I think probably six weeks ago. They got born again. And during worship, there's mom with one of the kids and they're just worshiping. Man, it rips my heart open. It is such a joy that when we see things like that, here's a family that now is walking with Jesus. They have a relationship with Jesus. The children are growing up in grace and faith. Kids, they're going to know Jesus from their childhood. It makes every sacrifice worth it. It really does. It makes every sacrifice worth it. And let me tell you, there are a lot of sacrifices. You can only begin to imagine the sacrifice they made. They don't know you, and they don't know the people they'll be ministering to. They don't know the ones that are yet to come to this church. You see, God has done so much for us that anything he asks us to sacrifice is nothing compared to what he has done for us. Amen. Can I get an amen? amen. That's, that, that's a missionary's heart. That's a pastor's heart. You know, God, you send me where you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want. Do we at times grumble? Heck yeah. You should thank God you don't live with me. You know, when the going gets tough, the tough get going, and they start mumbling. <laughs> and they start thinking, what did I do? And then finally, we pull ourselves up out of the mutter bin, and we get positive again. There's a cost. There's a price. But in all honesty, when I look at what Jesus has done for us, when I look at... The sacrifice God made to clean me up, and by the way, he's still cleaning me up, okay? He's still raising me up and changing me. But when I look at his great love and how undeserving I am, there isn't a sacrifice too big to make. In fact, one of my heroes is uh, an Englishman. Uh, he used to be a famous Englishman. He was an athlete. In England, they play cricket. Cricket is a sport that you watch when you want to fall asleep. <laughs> it's a little bit slow moving. But they played it in Australia, being part of the Commonwealth. And uh, this gentleman's name is C.T. Studd. C.T. are his two initials. His last name is Studd. It's a good name, isn't it? I'm a stud. Actually, I'm more of a spud, but. <laughs> and C.T. Studd, at the height of his fame, 
very famous cricketer in England, became very wealthy. He was actually knighted by the queen. And at the height of his fame, he got born again. He found Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Not religion, a relationship with God. And he walked away from all of his fame. He had a wife who was somewhat of an invalid. And she got born again too. She was in a wheelchair. With her permission, with her permission, it was a joint agreement. He was so in love with the fact that Jesus died for him. He became a missionary to foreign nations. Off the top of my head, I don't remember if it was India or Africa. And he gave up everything. And every so often he'd come back and by mutual agreement he'd be with his wife. But they were so in love with what Jesus did for them. And this is a quote that he made that has become one of my favorite quotes. Are you ready? This is brilliant. If Jesus Christ is God and he died for me, there is no sacrifice too great for me to make for him. Isn't that brilliant? I, I love that quote. In fact, Nicole, a young lady who was one of our great workers in Grace and Faith Kids, actually had made a plaque for me with that saying on it. She's now moved up past uh, um, Spring Hill, up uh, Inverness. Yes, up in Inverness. We miss her. But she wrote, made a plot for me. If Jesus Christ is God, and we know he is, and he died for me, then there's no sacrifice too great for me to make for him. And honestly, if you have been born again and you know what, God saved you from. I know what he saved me from. Some of it I would say publicly. Some of it I wouldn't dare say publicly. And I'm sure all of us have things in our testimony, some things we'd be willing to share and some things, well, they don't need to know that. If he's God and he was willing to save this rascal, he's awesome. And he deserves all of my love, all of my admiration. He deserves all of your love and all of your admiration. I was a broken handbasket filled with smut on my way to hell. And God picked me up, cleaned me up, fixed me up, lifted me up, and made me an honor, a vessel of honor. And now, to him, I am a prized possession. To him, you are a prized possession. It doesn't matter what he saved us from. What matters is that he loves us as if we never were what we were. He loves us as if we've always been his children. And I think that is just absolutely incredible. The people who know me best and love me the most, <clears throat> I give them opportunity to waver in their affections towards me. Sometimes I give them reason to think about why they really love me. You all know what I'm talking about. 
It's not just me. Turn to the person next to you and says, yeah, I'm like that too. But God never second guesses his decision for you. Or you, one. Never second guesses it. Even when we screw up and make a terrible blunder, he's right there ready to forgive us, ready to pick us up, ready to help us stand up. He's forever giving us honor. You see, the enemy comes with shame and condemnation. That's called dishonor. Another term for condemnation or shame is dishonor. And demons will come and whisper to you and tell you why you're no good. They'll remind you of your mistakes. They'll remind you of your past. And they'll constantly tell you that you're not worth it. The kingdom of darkness is built on a culture of dishonor. Everything they do is to take honor away from you. This series is about honor. Behold and honor. God's kingdom is all about honor. He always wants to bring honor to our lives. We live in a world that is filled with dishonor. Can I get an agreement? Voting season is coming. Election time is coming. That is the worst time in America, in my opinion. In my opinion, I turn on the TV and I watch the guy that I would maybe vote for slander the guy that I wasn't thinking of voting for. And our election system has become more about degrading the other person then it has been about what we can do for you. It is a system of dishonor. It has unfortunately degenerated to a system of dishonor. I want to remind every one of you as we're heading towards that season, the Word of God says pray for those in leadership. Now what's interesting is Paul writes that to the church at Rome. Who is in leadership? Heathens. People who worship multiple gods did crazy things and at the drop of the hat they would execute you. And Paul doesn't write about how atrocious they are and how glad he'll be to see them burn in hell and how wicked they are. You won't find that. You will not find that description which would aptly describe them. You won't find it in the Word. What you will find is that people like Peter, people like Paul, exhorting the church who's going through persecution by the Roman Empire, and they're saying, pray for them. Give honor to them. You see, what we've learned in this series is that the word honor in the Greek, it doesn't mean to give honor when somebody earns it. It doesn't mean give honor because it's deserving of that person. The kingdom of God teaches us to ascribe honor, give people honor whether they've earned it or not. That is the absolute opposite to how this world functions. In fact, to some of you, it might even sound, wow, that's a bit crazy, that's a bit dumb. 
We are so influenced by the world that the norm of the kingdom of God seems crazy at times. But let me explain something. If we understood the culture of honor as it is in the kingdom of heaven, there would never, ever, ever be an issue in relationships from culture to culture. Stand up, Brian. I love this young guy. He asked Jesus in his heart. Didn't happen here, but uh, he asked Jesus in his heart a few years ago. He was in the world. He's different. You look at him and he's got funny earrings. My generation didn't wear earrings like that. Doesn't matter. I love you. I respect you. You won't find a tat anywhere on my body, even the places you can't see. He has tats. I love this guy. He's different than me. I can respect him and give him honor. This is a man who's asked Jesus in his heart, and he is growing. Together with his lovely, soon-to-be bride, Cassie. Okay, Cassie's a nurse. She's not here today. Thank you, Ryan. I love you, man. We're all different. Look at this young man. Stand up. Handsome dude. Look. Oh, thank you. We're twins. Paisanos. Just like Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger. We're twins. I got the leftover genes. Handsome young man. Different complexion. Different nationality. Different background. Forget about it. It doesn't matter. Jesus paid the same price for this young man as he paid for this old man. Amen. It doesn't matter what he did in his past, just like it doesn't matter what I did in my past. The blood of Jesus covers it. It doesn't matter what you did in your past. Look at this lady. I love this lady. Stand up. She got born again here in this church. Amen. At the age of nine, she was a drug mule. At the age of nine, the drug dealer would rape her every time she came. By the age of 10, she was a full-blown alcoholic, and they would pick her up off the streets and bring her home. Am I exaggerating? No, God is good. How many times <laughs> have you been arrested? Pastor, I was printing out my uh, rap, sheet. rap sheet, and I ran out of paper. So I said, you know what, that's part of the story because I'm at like page 40-something and ran out of paper. God is so good. So roughly, what did you get up to? Uh, like 110. Come on. This is the kingdom of God. This is the kingdom of God. Here she is, she's done Bible college, graduated year three, has a master of uh, ministry, a changed life. Who the heck cares where she came from? She's in the kingdom of God today. Amen. And she's helping other people find Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? How awesome. How terrible that any child should have to live that kind of life. And a lot of children are living that kind of life.
But you see, the kingdom of God gives honor. The kingdom of darkness makes us nothing more than rats and mice in a gutter. But the kingdom of God brings dignity back to human lives, no matter how broken they've been. By the way, it's great to have you back. I recognized you. Good to see you. Yeah, your daughter. I remember from the picture. You showed me a picture. It doesn't matter where we've come from. It doesn't matter where we've been. If in the kingdom of God we learn to give honor, people will grow up. People will blossom. People will develop. This racist stuff is nonsense. It's nonsense to be racist and it's nonsense to hold a chip. Come on. We're new creations. We put that stuff behind us. We're going to love each other as people who are born again in the image of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Amen. It's just the gospel of the kingdom, right? I want to build, I'm running out of time, I want to build a culture of honor in this church. Not just one for another, culture with culture, language barriers, skin tones and skin colors. Doesn't matter. We're going to build honor. Doesn't matter a person's past. If they've come to Jesus, behold, all things are new. We live and we're inundated with a world that doesn't just criticize, it tears the opposition apart. When we get into this political season, it's an ugly time. You can't put the TV on without hearing nasty things about somebody else. I don't want to know all the nasty things. Tell me what you stand for. Let that person tell me what they stand for, and I will make a decision based on the Word of God. And that's how it should be. But it has degenerated into... Uh, character assassination. Why? The world is influenced by the kingdom of darkness, and the kingdom of darkness, the culture of it, is a culture of dishonor. It will always take honor off of people. God's kingdom is always about treating people with respect. We don't abuse each other. We're, we're meant to understand each other. Behold, look beyond. Even when a person is acting less than, even when a person's acting a bit crazy, look beyond the crazy and start to understand. Decode, decipher, just like the word behold means. Decode, decipher, recognize they weren't born like that. They didn't come out of the womb like that. Experiences in life, hurts, trauma, tragedies, made them the way they are. And if I treat them the way they're acting, they will, I will validate the way they're acting because I'm saying that's who you are and that's how you're going to be treated. But when I put honor on them and treat them better than how they're acting, I'm giving them a reason to believe that there's something bigger and better inside of them. Can I get an agreement? Yes. I want you to understand I'm going to switch and 
just change direction slightly. Just like we need to honor one another and even honor people in the world. We need to, in the church, learn a culture that's different than the world. How are we going to change the world? If we act just like them. If we take on the same culture and say the same things, how are we going to change the world? Do you as Americans really believe, and I am an American, do you as Americans really believe <clears throat> that the right guy in the White House is going to change the hearts of Americans? Ain't going to happen. You're dreaming. And sometimes the way we get so political, we are more political than we are prayerful. We are more political than we are prayerful. And we need to be more prayerful. Vote, but vote according to biblical standards. See what the Word of God says and look for people who are closest to standards that are portrayed in the Bible. You and I have got to stop being party-minded and be more principle-minded. You hearing me, church? Stop being party-minded and be principle-minded. What principles do they stand for? Are they for scriptural principles or are they contrary? Oh, well, I'm always, my family's always been Republican. I don't care. My family's always been Democrat. I don't care. We're different now. Those people are not going to change the world. The church is what God called to change the world. And the culture in here has to be different than the culture out there. God is the answer. Jesus is the answer. The church is the answer. The White House is not the ultimate answer. Can I get an agreement? Amen. They can't change the hearts of men. They can come up with good policies. They can come up with bad policies. But let me tell you, policies do not restrain the nature of a person. But being born again does. And so we have to start realizing there needs to be honor in the church. We need to be people who give honor. We need to pray for those in leadership. That's why the Bible says, pray for those in leadership. Paul doesn't say, oh, the Roman Empire, the Caesar that we have at the moment is the absolute worst. You won't find any of that in the epistles. What you will find is an exhortation to pray for them. Honor them. Bring them before the throne. Ask God to visit them in a good way. Amen. Hello? You see, the culture of God's kingdom is a culture of honor. So I said I'm going to shift my emphasis. Not only do we need to show honor amongst each other and show honor to people in the world, you can't change them if you're the same as them. You got to be different to change them. How many of you agree America needs to change? Okay, well, we can't be like America. We have to be like citizens of the kingdom of God. So the same way I'm talking about honor across the board, there needs to be honor in the church 
towards those that are in leadership. I don't want you to suck up to me, but I want you to respect the fact Pastor Jan is a pastor, and she's called of God, and she has made many sacrifices, widowed only a few years ago, and after she was widowed, she came on staff as a pastor, paid part-time, works full-time. This lady intercedes even at home. Honor the fact that God called her to be a pastor. She's not just Jan. She's Pastor Jan. Pastor Tom isn't just Tom. He's Pastor Tom. He's on staff purely to call people and see how you are doing. We put money into in systems that will invest in your well-being. They're coming on staff. Why? We have to reach more people. We have to reach people that speak Spanish. I don't speak Spanish, but they're important people. You see, they've made a sacrifice. Honor them. Pastor Stephen, he holds down a full-time job. He shared this with you last week. I think a hotel that has 164 rooms. And yet, when I'm out of town, I turn to him to preach. He's got a full-time job. He's got three little kids. He's an excellent dad, so quality time with his family is important. And yet, he leads the worship and practices with the team every Tuesday, Sunday morning before the 9 a.m. service and preaches when I need a preacher. Honor the man, honor him as a pastor. Give honor to the leadership. Are you hearing me? Yes. Pastor Amy, oh, well, she's children's pastor. No, 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 no. She is a center pastor. She is a pastor in this center, and she could speak and counsel to any grown woman in this church. Don't designate her, oh, well, she's children's pastor. What do you think? She, she's subhuman? No. She, her area of administration is the children, but she is a grown adult and could counsel any woman married or not married in this church. Give her that kind of honor. We have to change. We have to be different. I have people a quarter of my age come up to me and call me by my first name. Well, I'm not into titles. But I've realized that we either put people on a pedestal and make an idol out of them, or we treat them like dirt. I want to be somewhere in the middle. Respect me and honor me. Respect that God called me, and respect that I pay a price you will never know about it. Amen. We go through things and... <laughs> Let it just be said, we pay a price you will never know about. And we do it because what he did for me, there's no sacrifice too great for me to make for him. Amen. And what he wants is that we serve one another and enlarge his kingdom. Amen. Over the last 20 years, the emphasis has been about church growth. And it has taken a very shallow term, and it's become a competition about who's got more numbers. 
And it doesn't matter if the quality and the depth and the trueness to the spiritual goal is abandoned for the sake of getting an extra couple of hundred people. Listen, we're not about church growth. We're about bringing the masses to the knowledge of Jesus Christ so that they could know God is wonderful, awesome, and incredible and experience him in their life on a daily basis. Now, that will lead to expansion. The goal is not, the goal is not church growth. The goal is introducing people to God. It's like Pam here. Thanks to Steve and Lisa. Lisa. Thank you, Lisa. What? Three months ago? Four months ago? Asked Jesus in her heart, made an official commitment here. Look at her, growing in Christ. Is your life happier? Phenomenal, right? Are you, it, have you been introduced to a different world? Are you seeing things from a different perspective? This is what the kingdom of God is about. Taking people that have been hurt, broken, abused, which we all are. I'm not talking about Pam. And bringing them into relationship with God the Father and helping them find dignity and respect. Helping them find their true purpose in life. Letting them know that God, when he created humanity, he crowned humanity with glory and honor. You know what salvation is? Bringing us back to the place where God could crown us with glory and honor. Yeah. Amen. And so, very quickly, so that I can say I preached, I'm going to give you a scripture. <laughs> so that you know that what I'm saying really is biblical. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. Now you have to understand, the church in Corinth, Corinth was a trading city. It was on the water, it was a port. It was a, an epicenter. It was a very lascivious type of city full of all kinds of depravity. They were heathens. They were hedonistic. In other words, to be a hedonistic means you indulge in every kind of pleasure for yourself at anyone's expense. This is... In that time of history, what Corinth was about. And Paul got people saved there and started building a church. And they were wild and woolly. I mean, as new Christians, you read 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians and some pretty hairy stuff Paul had to address. These were people saved from a life of depravity. And people don't change instantly. And so he's very real. And in his letters, he addresses stuff. He addresses sexual sin and all kinds of immorality. They were learning to be different than the world. And they were learning a new culture, a culture of honor. If I understand honor, I can't be prejudiced. If I understand honor, I can't do what's good for me but bad for you. If I understand honor, I can't do that. I have to honor you and I have to honor me. And honor's 
the language, it's the lifestyle of love. When we love each other, we will honor one another. Hello? When we love each other, we will honor one another. So 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, Paul says, in the middle of his letter, he's telling them how they should think about pastors and apostles and preachers. This, then, is how you ought to regard us. Now, if he says ought to, it means this is how you should treat us. You're not treating us like this. This, then, is how you ought to regard us as servants of Jesus Christ and as people who have been entrusted with the mysteries that God has revealed. What he's saying is, recognize that God has given us an office that we don't deserve but recognize God saw something in this mess and he's called us to be a sacrifice to the body of Christ. Give us the honor that is due. Amen. Look, there are extremes on either side of the truth. The truth is dead center. There's a chair to the left of center and there's a chair to the right of center. That's how it is with truth. There are extremes both ways. And I know that there are ministries that have set themselves up as demigods. And just because there have been abuses and failures doesn't mean we take the whole system and throw it out and start acting like the world. People have disappointed us. People have shown us their, how human they really can be. We still give honor. Hello? In the natural world and in the spiritual world, we still give honor. Listen, the, the longer it takes you to learn the culture of honor, hear me, I'm going to say it again. Listen, the longer it takes you to learn the culture of honor, the longer demons have the right to hover around you. Dishonor is the culture of the demonic world. They're constantly taking honor. They're always pulling people down, raping people mentally, emotionally, in every sense of the word. Honor treats people with respect. Honor talks to people like they are a person of value. And Paul says to the church, respect those in leadership. In the church... If he calls us to pray for secular government, secular men and women, how much more we should honor those who serve at the Lord's table. Can I get an agreement? I'll start again. Can I get an agreement? Okay. Thank you. I didn't want to start again. Watch this. I just read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Same chapter. Same chapter. Chapter 4. Verse 9 to 13. Now Paul here is writing with tongue in cheek. And he says, For it seems to me that God has put us as apostles on display at the end of the procession. Like those condemned to die in the arena. We have been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels, as well as to human beings. 
We are fools for Christ, but you, you're so wise. We are weak, but you, you're so strong. You are honored, and we are dishonored. To this very hour, we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags. We are brutally treated. We are homeless. We work hard with our own hands. We are cursed. We are blessed. We are persecuted. We endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. We have become the scum of the earth, the garbage of the world, right up to this moment. Now watch. He says, I am writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you don't have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. There was an attitude creeping into the church. Oh, this ministry's better. That ministry's better. And people started to be divided and running all over the place. Oh, well, I don't agree with Paul because of this and this and this. If you understand the nature of the Apostle Paul and some of the things that God revealed to him. For example, in Ephesians 4, Paul writes, not Corinthians 4, Ephesians 4, Paul writes, the first thing that Jesus did when he left the earth and went up to heaven, he gave gifts of ministry to some. Some were made apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, Fivefold gifts for the building up of the church, and as you keep reading it, so that each person comes into the fullness of the maturity of the image of Jesus Christ. In other words, he's saying gifts like God has put on me and on Pastor Jan and all the other pastors, our gifts are that of a coach to help you reach full stature in Jesus Christ so that you will be strong, so that when the devil comes knocking, you'll send him running. Our job is to raise you up so that you do the work of the ministry, so that you're praying for the sick and you have the same faith we have. And what do we do in this church? Aren't we constantly telling you who you are in Christ? Aren't we constantly preaching about the power and the authority you have? Aren't we constantly building you up and saying, anything we can do, you can do because it's through Jesus Christ? Constantly. And so here's Paul. He's been doing that his whole life. And to the church in Corinth, all of a sudden, they're treating him like he's a nothing. And yet, very few would have paid the price that the apostle Paul prayed, paid. And so we see here in Scripture Here's a short lesson about honor even in the church. We need to understand that the callings come from God. Every one of us can move in the miraculous. Every one of us can move in the gifts of the Spirit. Every one of us are seated with Jesus Christ in heavenly places. But that doesn't mean that those that God has called to train you and raise you up that they become less. And so I want you to take a note out of the kingdom of God, a page out of the kingdom of God and understand that not only do we have to learn to honor our fellow man even when they act dishonorably, 
Not only do we have to give honor to people of different color and different language and different financial and educational status, not only do we have to give honor to people in the church when they're out of their mind a bit gone crazy and acting nuts, when we give honor, we are anointing them the same way God anoints us. He doesn't treat us as sinners. He treats us as, sin, uh, as saints. Amen? Amen? He treats us as sons. Can I ask you an honest question? Raise your hand if you still make mistakes. I have a few that haven't. Uh, I'd love for you to counsel me after the service. Okay, every hand went up. So we still make mistakes. Now raise your hands if you're seated in heavenly places with Jesus Christ. You see, the honor doesn't change. He gives honor even though we don't always act honorably. What I'm saying is we have to do like our dad does. And we have to learn to give honor even when people don't act honorably. Hello? If we don't learn that, we're going to do what we've always done. We're going to do what the world does. And if we're like the world, how are we going to change the world? We're not. We're not. There's something bigger and better inside of us. And he's calling us to live the kingdom way. When we give honor, we are honoring the image of God in the other person. Can I get an agreement? All right. Come on, stand with me. Can I share a little secret with you? Let the music play. I'm going to share a little secret with you. When I counsel people, I'm not always 100% right. But I've learned this over the years. When people trust me and do what I say, even if I'm not 100% right, somehow God comes down and he blesses them because they gave honor and they submitted and were respectful. It's amazing. It's amazing. I've realized that I don't have to always be right. I try to be right all the time. I give the best advice I can and try to be influenced by the Holy Ghost all the time. But when people respect the gift, if you receive a prophet, you get a prophet's reward. What does that mean? If you recognize the gift and honor the gift, you'll be rewarded from everything that is invested in that person you'll be a recipient of. And so I've found in counseling, the people who do everything I say, and they just trust me because I'm the man of God, even though they are people of God too, but when they trust the leadership that God has put in the house, what happens is that as they submit and they obey, as they give honor, blessing comes on their life, and it'll always work out. 
It's a principle of God's kingdom. Give honor and you will receive the blessing of God on your life. Amen. Let's close our eyes. As I close here this morning, the most honorable thing that you can do is to let Jesus Christ come into your heart. Now, people mix up going to church with being a Christian. Two separate things. I can go to a car wash, doesn't make me a car. You could go to church, it doesn't make you a Christian. You could even say, Jesus, 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 it doesn't make you a Christian. You must come to a place where you realize, hey, Jesus died for me, and I've sinned. I want him in my life permanently. I want to give my life over to him. Religion can't do that, but a relationship can. And we must have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So, whether you've been religious, whether you've been an atheist, an agnostic, you're not sure, whether you've just never asked Jesus in your heart, while every eye is closed, who would like to accept Jesus today as their Lord and Savior? Who wants to say, Jesus, come into my life, forgive me of my sins. I want you to live inside of me. Raise your hand right now. Raise your hand. Thank you. I see that hand. I see another hand towards the back. Who else wants to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior? Come into the kingdom of God and let God's kingdom come into you. Well, everyone, repeat this prayer after me, especially those who pray, uh, raising their hands. Dear God, thank you for loving me and caring about me. Thank you for coming to earth and dying on that cross for me. Jesus Christ, I recognize I've messed up. I've made mistakes. I've sinned. I want you, Jesus, forgive me and come live in me. I welcome you right now to live in me and lead me by your spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into my heart today. I receive you. I accept you, and I love you. Thank you, Father, for hearing my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Come on, put your hands together. For those that raised their hand this morning, awesome, awesome. July the 4th is just a couple of days away. Enjoy yourself. Be safe. Father, keep them safe. Have fun. Get a little bit crazy, but not too crazy. Okay? Keep it within the pages of the Bible. How's that? Is that good advice? I bless you in Jesus' name. Father, bless them and keep them safe. God bless you guys. I'll see you next Sunday.